welcome to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast, the weekly show for nomads, work campers, RVers, and entrepreneurs looking to earn a living or build a business while enjoying the RV lifestyle. This week's host is Joshua Sheehan. Let's settle in and enjoy the RV Entrepreneur Podcast brought to you by RV Life. Hey there, entrepreneurs. Joshua here. This is a really cool episode that I have with a repeat guest, Heidi Dusick. She is from The Ordinary Sherpa. She also came out and spoke at the RV Entrepreneur Roundtable this past fall. But as her family jumps into full-time RV travel this upcoming year, she's kind of taken something she's been doing for the past couple of years of travel hacking and using digital travel rewards to benefit their family's travel and reduce the expenses that they incur to go traveling in a way that just taking the things that you spend money on every day, fuel, groceries, and turning them into a reward and something more than just cash back on a credit card of turning that into travel rewards because they're worth more. I'll let Heidi explain all of it because there's significant nuance to it. But the way that she describes it and the way that she gets into it, I find it can be really valuable for RVers and especially RV entrepreneurs. So let's jump into the episode with Heidi. All right, Heidi, welcome back to the RV Entrepreneur Podcast. We are talking about a, a little bit of a different angle of the traveling lifestyle today. You and your family have been doing something called travel hacking for a while now, and you've kind of formalized it into a way to help the community better do it from a different angle than a lot of other people have been doing it. For the folks that haven't listened to your previous episode, who's Heidi and what do you do? Yeah, thank you, Josh, for having me. I am Heidi, and I run and kind of operate the Ordinary Sherpa brand and podcast. And I have a few other things, obviously, that we'll talk about. But it was designed to inspire families to connect through adventure. And a lot of that was simple adventures, you know, things you could do in your own backyard. There's also travel, which is a huge part of most people's definition of adventure, and then a lifestyle design around adventure of what does it mean to kind of live outside the norm. And in that space, I have learned a lot. I've been exposed to a lot. I've really been trying to lift up others in the space as well to showcase their stories and just give families inspiration to do something different, to get a little bit uncomfortable, to maybe go against the grain and not necessarily be like a rebel or anything like that. But how can you live life on your terms? And so what is that looking like for you and your family at this point in time? (laughs) Well, you caught me at a good time. My husband and I both left our W-2 jobs last year. So I just finished in December. He finished in September. Yeah, I finished in December. He finished in September and have been trying to figure out our thing. But all along, we had been planning to take a family gap year. So we are kind of extracting ourselves out of traditional employment and school and doing what it is we feel like we want to do. And that means actually... I don't know when this will go live, but we will probably be on the road in our RV, homeschooling, traveling across the country. I call it untourism. Like we're trying to go deep in community and meet people that we haven't seen in a really long time, explore places that intrigue us. We're going to chase some snow. We're going to ski in the winter, which is like opposite of what everybody does. (laughs) We're going to do some winter camping and mountain biking. And yeah, we'll see. We're not selling our house. So I think we've had to figure out We don't follow the traditional story of, you know, a lot of people sell it all and live full-time in an RV. We're not calling ourselves full-time RVers. We're just doing this like part-time experiment and maybe it'll last a year, maybe it'll last longer. We'll see. A lot of it is I'm outsourcing a lot of my decision-making to the kids (laughs) to see how they're feeling and doing along the way. Nice. So I'm sure a lot of people are thinking, how? How can you do this? How can you take a year off of employment? How can you keep your house? 
financially, how can you guys do this? What have you done in your life to set it up so that this is a, a possibility? Then I guess we can also get into what ways are you going to support that decision throughout this next year? Yeah, absolutely. So there is this movement called financial independence. So that is kind of the cornerstone of how financially we set ourselves up for this. Now, in that space, the general rule of thumb is you get really familiar with your living expenses, and then you save 25 times that, and you could essentially retire and live off of 4%. That is not necessarily how we're doing this, right? So we had a really high savings rate for the last five years. What's really high? Um, We were at almost 60% of our income was going to savings. Okay. And so within that then, once we took that 60% out of savings, we don't have to necessarily have that much money anymore in terms of how much income do we need for this year. It's much lower because our living expenses without that 60% going to savings is much lower. So we saved enough to live for a year. And that's kind of what's funding the gap year. So we have long-term savings for retirement, kind of, I'm calling midterm emergency savings. And then our short-term savings, we gave a job, right? So that short-term savings was intended to fund our life for a year. And our expenses have shifted a little bit, obviously, because now we're paying for our own health insurance. But for the most part, when we got really clear about what we wanted, our living expenses weren't that expensive. So we were able to kind of scale back figure out what fits with our values, and then design a life to explore that further. And I guess maybe one of the things that we've learned is how to optimize our expenses as well. So I know we're going to get into this, but a tool in our toolbox is travel rewards. And that's kind of an interesting way to look at things, but it's been a way for us to consider, well, we still have options because we kind of have this emergency slash travel fund that's not kept in a formal financial, I don't know, currency, so to speak. It's a different Mm -hmm. kind of currency. For sure. So do you think having earmarked that money for this next year, it takes a certain mindset and a certain personality type and and dedication to get to that point of having met that goal. Now you're at the point of instead of adding to that account, you're going to be depleting that money. Have you and Brent talked about how that will feel? And it's going to feel different because now you're you're seeing that, that dollar amount go down, even though the experience category is going to be going up. Yeah. Have you talked about how that will affect you and, and ways you're going to to meet that roadblock, I guess, yeah. mental roadblock? Yeah, we already started feeling that. So part of the reason why we're not on this gap year yet is for this purpose, right? So how does it feel? My husband stopped working in September and I realized that I had done much of the work. So in our relationship, I kind of set up all the finances. I managed our budget and tracked on a lot of different things. And we saved his entire salary, as a portion of this, because he had more opportunities. So he was a teacher, had um, multiple streams that we could save towards. We could contribute more because he had more options (laughs) and he covered health insurance. So for the most part, we never used his salary. So in some ways, like we were comfortable with what we had. And yet at the same time, we weren't depleting my salary, right? We were still saving. And so it was interesting because the first few months when he was off, He struggled a lot internally with this concept of making money aligns with your worth and your value. And spending money seems counterintuitive to that. When you're not making money, how do you spend money? So it felt really irresponsible. And I had done a little bit of work around this. So I had also worked on that limiting belief of it's irresponsible to spend money because I have grown up kind of thrifty and had saved a lot of money well, at least in the last five years, we've saved a lot of money, right? So flipping that to say it's irresponsible to spend money when I'm not making money was some work that I'd done. Th- and, and so working through scenarios of like, so what if we run out of money? What will we do? And mm-hmm. 
do we really want to not make any money or are we okay making a little money? And that's kind of where we've landed is like, so what could we do that interests us and it doesn't impede on our lifestyle? And yet it still allows us to give a little bit of breathing room because we do have backups to the backup to the backup, right? So we've already run those scenarios. But the mindset, I think, is the hardest because spending money for us feels like, I don't know, irresponsible still. And we're still working through that. You know what? We have a lot of conversations around, do we really want this? And do we really need this? Needs and wants is still part of the conversation. Is there a way we could optimize it? So, I mean, one example is my husband just bought a GPS watch the other day and he we talked about it for a long time and he's like, I really want it. And I was like, okay, so we have a 24-hour rule in our house that we don't say no to each other for 24 hours. We like think it through. And then mm-hmm. any expense over $200, we have to talk it out. And it just kept coming up over and over and over again. And I was like, how much is it? And he's like, 160 bucks. I'm like, seriously? Like, we could make that tomorrow, right? So just go buy the watch and then we'll be intentional about replenishing that fund. So if the spend is creating more anxiousness than the buy or, or the save or the making of it, I was like, we could turn around and make $160 in a day, right? So we don't have to exhaust our energy on this silly thing. That's starting to be how we've approached some of these things, that there are spends. And there's things that are uncomfortable and outside of our control that we're still working through. You know, my son ended up having to get braces because of an emergency that he had. And I was like, well, that wasn't in the plan. And we'll figure that out. Okay, so now we need to come up with a new plan for covering that, whatever the expense was over the next month or over the next year. Yeah, definitely. Now, you've mentioned being thrifty, and that's it's kind of your go-to. This also being the RV Entrepreneur podcast of, of making money. And oftentimes, we as entrepreneurs, we think of one direction of how can I make more? I think when you're combining RV and entrepreneurship, a lot of times that is the lifestyle and the business. And so being able to reduce expenses on the lifestyle side and then increase income on the entrepreneurial side kind of makes the coin more three-dimensional, more rounded. What I'm excited to talk to you about is you found a way to combine the thriftiness of the lifestyle into the entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And so give us a little bit of background about what you've started this year and, and how it's going forward and a little bit more about just travel hacking and then your version of it. Yeah. So one of the things that drew me into financial independence in particular was travel rewards because it was a way for us to add value to our spend and reap a benefit in the back end. So let me just explain it for a second. Like at the base level, travel rewards in and of itself is usually using a travel-based currency for travel-related expenses. And you can earn that currency through a lot of different ways. One of the most common ways is by signing up for specific credit cards. Now, it seems controversial a little bit because we weren't someone who used credit cards or carried debt. But when you have a good credit score and you are incurring expenses every month or obviously for living, but also for my business, it was a way for us to extrapolate more value out of that spend and less about necessarily holding a bunch of credit cards. We pay the balance of those credit cards every month in full. So we're not being irresponsible with credit cards. And once you're good at that, then you really learn this third way, right? This way of using this travel currency to fund things in your lifestyle. And it, I think one of the things that drew me to it is like, I'm spending money anyway in my business. I can get this reward and it's not taxable. So it's not taxed as income or a benefit. And so I'm, it's like an easy hack for me to get more value out of the spend and it funds my lifestyle. So 
it became a challenge for us. I, I started this work probably back in 2012, and I wasn't necessarily good at it. I was just doing one-off credit card signups, or I would see things through my bank, or I would do one maybe credit card a year, and I would get value out of that, and we would maybe get one airline ticket or a free hotel stay or something. And that felt good for me. Then we went down the rabbit hole. <laughs> of In 2018, I really dove deep to understand how else could we be doing this? How could we start stacking rewards to benefit our family? And the complexity behind this is we are a family of five. So travel hacking from what I had seen was always single people, you know, solo female travelers traveling the world. And I was like, that's great. But when you add the four other people to the mix, it's not as easy as just taking a business class flight to Europe. And that really wasn't the value that we were looking for. We just wanted to reduce our travel budget each year and still have really meaningful experiences. So our travel budget at the time was like $2,500. So the type of travel we were doing was very simple things anyway. So by adding this to our portfolio, it actually gave us a lot of permission to do things that we didn't think we were able to do. Like we spent a month in Hawaii in 2021. We actually rented our first RV using travel rewards because then it was like, oh, we can try these things and it doesn't feel like we're being irresponsible and spending more money or that we have to blow all of our budget on one trip. We started Mm -hmm. to take smaller trips, I would say a little bit more luxurious. They're not like, we're not bougie, okay? So that's not our style, but at the same sense, like we were willing to splurge on experiences and not feel guilty about them. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say is we learned, we don't have to feel bad about this. We have this kind of emergency reward system in our back pocket that we can use. So this weekend, for example, There was a meetup in Florida that I wanted to go to. And I quick looked online and I was like, there's a budget airline. It cost me less than $200. That's what the cash value would have been. And it was less than 5,000 points for this entire weekend. And I was like, why wouldn't I do that? Like 5,000 points is really nothing. When I get a sign-on bonus, I'm usually looking at 50,000 points. So it was an easy way for us to start feeling less irresponsible but spending money on travel, which is something that brings us great joy and value. That's really cool. Wow. So you're looking at this mindset of getting your family out to travel and and using these different avenues of playing the game, right? Because that's what it is. is The credit cards are trying to lure people in with these sign-on bonuses and hopes that then they can make money off of them by carrying a balance. Well, you're bucking the game by paying your balance off every month and still reaping the rewards. So you're playing within the system. You're not doing anything wrong, but you're gaining all this value from it. Right. Right. At what point did it turn into something that you know, there's a common joke out there with any type of thing that's enthusiastic. You're like, how do you know if someone enjoys CrossFit? Well, don't worry, they'll tell you. It's kind of like that. I'm sure travel hacking is the same, is that you got so excited, you want to share the word with everybody. How did that go of starting to answer questions for other people? And how did it turn into something that now you're starting to turn it into a business of advising folks on how to achieve some of the same, same things of going to rent an RV with travel points or going to Hawaii or traveling to Florida for the weekend and it it costing you no monetary money. Yeah. So I liken it to, you know, the first taste of RV life. When did you know that you wanted to do more extensive RV travel, right? So there's a huge barrier to entry at first because there's so many things you have to figure out and you want to surround yourself with people who have been there. And once you're in, you're kind of hooked, right? You're like, wow, I can literally have a different space in my backyard every single day, or I can meet these really amazing people that are living life differently on the road. There's all these things that you start to see, and you didn't even know that some of those rewards were available. That's kind of how travel hacking is, right? You get that first trip, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is real. I am following the rules. I'm not doing anything illegal. 
And yet, look at the door that this opened up for us. And in 2019, we had a pretty extensive travel year. And people started asking, like, how can you do this? Like, how can you afford it? Mm -hmm. Are you just really wealthy? And I was like, no, most of our trips are funded by travel rewards. And then I started to get really explicit of like, what do our travels cost us? Because, you know, it's easy to think like, oh, look at them. They must have a lot of money. They're doing all these trips. We can't afford that. And so I realized I was like, no, it's empowering to use this tool and to teach people about it. And I kind of thought there's a million free resources out there, by the way, but it's a large barrier to entry. There's so many nuances and rules to using these travel rewards. And every company has a little bit of different flavor to it, so to speak. And so as you figure out, like we are not graduate level, right? We are probably like 200. If if beginner is 100, we're maybe 200 eking into 300 because we didn't want to get distracted by all of the cards. You know, that's not the mm-hmm. lifestyle we were looking for. We wanted to really stay within our lane and say, no, we're travel hacking as a family of five as I was getting a lot more questions, like, how are we doing this? I wished along the way that there was just someone who I could ask a question to that would answer my questions. Or at one point, there's these things called referral links that when I share my credit card link with you, like it's a referral program, kind of like an affiliate. If you sign up, I get the bonus. And I remember being in a community and I was like, can we start sharing referral links? Like we could support each other. And I realized really quickly, like, oh, wait, this business model is based on this company wants you to use their affiliate link because that's funding their business. And I was like, oh, you know, they're not going to want me to share my referral links. So I didn't really care about that. Like I'm not interested in the credit card affiliate link model. That business model wasn't what I was interested in. I wanted others to experience the value of having like 20,000 bonus points if you're supporting someone else and getting their first credit card. It was kind of fun, right? I wanted that community aspect to it. And I wanted to be able to support other families and inspire others to start asking questions like, how did you do this with five? Or how did you plan international trips? Or how did you start to really think differently about what your credit card rewards could do for you? I think that's one of the empowering pieces of this is when you start to realize, I have a stash of rewards. It kind of goes like the saving mindset than the spending mindset. So in the accumulation of rewards, you're like gathering and accumulating and you're getting all these rewards, but what are you going to do with them? Because eventually they start to lose Mm -hmm. value if you don't use them. In some cases, they expire. And in some cases, the airlines and the travel companies start to devalue what those points are worth. So it doesn't really benefit you. It's not like compound interest where they grow and grow and grow. They're static. So it doesn't benefit you to just hoard millions of points You want to start looking at them and saying, what can they do for me to fund what brings us joy and what brings us, you know, value in our life? So that's kind of what I wanted to encourage. I wanted to create a space that I didn't see using and teaching around credit card rewards and travel rewards for families and also empower others and support others on their own journey. So if I can support, you know, a sign up link to help them get 20,000 points and have companion pass or whatever that looks like, I wanted to build that space. So let's go back and clarify a few things. One, who is travel hacking not for? What is the personality where I don't advise you to even start digging into this scenario? Yeah. Yeah. If you're the type of person who likes to spend and carries debt and does not pay off your credit cards on time, it would not be valuable for you to embark on this journey. I mean, there's not like a credit limit or a credit score per se that I would say is like hard and fast, but generally speaking, I encourage like a high 700 credit score. 
is a good target for this environment. If you're responsible with your money, you pay down your debts, you don't incur interest, that would be more likely the person I would encourage in this space as opposed to someone who carries debt and rolls over a lot of credit card balances month to month. Yeah, definitely. So hear that, guys. We want to be very clear. Like This is playing a game. It is very much playing a game, but it is also a game with severe negative consequences if you let it get away from you. So if you're someone who carries debt, this may not be the avenue that you want to go down in, in figuring out travel hacking. But with that, what are some of the limitations of travel hacking? You know, we're talking about points and companion passes, which is like having someone fly with you free on different airlines. What are some things like, do I just have a bunch of pie in the sky points that I can go down to Joe Schmo's mini golf and, and get free mini golf? Or what kind of things are we talking about here when we're talking about travel hacking? Yeah. And this is part of the rabbit hole of it, right? So there's a lot of different nuances that I was starting to reference earlier is some airlines have blackout dates for rewards. I don't fly those, generally speaking, because it doesn't work for a family of five. So it's often hard. So I don't encourage you to just stash a bunch of points and expect the rewards to be available to use whenever you want. So there's different kinds of currencies. So one of them is called like a flexible, transferable rewards currency. I don't want to like promote anything, but for example, Chase Ultimate Rewards, Capital One Venture Cards, like they have a transferable rewards currency. So I can take their points and transfer it to a lot of other airlines, a lot of other hotels. One of the ways we're using our Capital One points while we are traveling this year is my son has a goal to visit all of the Major League Baseball stadiums. Well, there's a partnership with Capital One that I found that you can get free baseball tickets essentially by using your points through Capital One. And that's the type of stuff that, you know, unless you really study this, it's hard to find all of those things. I always encourage people to like to define your life and what you want the experience to look like first and then figure out what fits with your life instead of chasing the rewards and hoping you find something that works. So let me give you maybe two examples. Is that okay? Sure. Okay. So one example is when we went to Hawaii, the reason we went to Hawaii was because Southwest had opened up some airlines there. We are a family of five. So again, buying five airline tickets to Hawaii and we're based in Wisconsin. So getting to the West Coast and then getting to Hawaii, that's two separate legs of the trip. Southwest has a companion pass and they're of the airlines that have companion passes. So Delta, Alaska Airlines are the ones that I know best in addition to Southwest. Southwest is the most lucrative because once you achieve, I think it's 135,000 points within a calendar year, that person can assign a companion to fly with them essentially for free. You still pay taxes and security fees, which is about $5.60 per leg of the trip. $5.60. Yes, $5.60 per leg, right? So we had decided since Hawaii was on our list that my husband and I would both go for companion pass in the same year. So we would have an overlap year. And the way it works is you have companion pass the year that you earn it plus the entire next year. So we could overlap pretty easily by both of us getting 135,000 points. And that was done by us having one personal card bonus earned and one business card bonus earned. And then between us, we used those rewards. So again, 135 times two, I can't do that math that fast, but we had enough miles to redeem both of our personal airlines. We got a companion pass for each of us for free. And then we used our rewards to pay for our third well, which would be our fifth, technically. And I think we spent, it was under $200 for all of the flights. So we went to three different islands in Hawaii, plus the trip to the West Coast to get us, to position us for Hawaii. 
that was one example of we spent four weeks in Hawaii. All of our flights were essentially covered for under $300. Then we wanted to look at what does our lodging look like? And we don't do hotels very well, meaning like we're a family of five. My kids don't want to sleep together. There's not enough beds. It's just we like to make our own meals. So we wanted to use Airbnbs. Well, there is other travel rewards that essentially erase any travel expenses. So this is really good for if you want to use it for tickets that code as travel. A lot of people use it for Disney tickets because Disney tickets, when you buy it through a certain vendor, code as travel. Airbnbs also code as travel. So we used an Airbnb and then used the points from one of those flexible rewards to erase the travel expense. Those are some of the examples of like how we've used and understood the rules of which credit cards to sign up for and roughly the timeline. So it's not like we were just accruing and accruing and accruing, hoping we would find an option. Usually I say, you know, you can travel within six months after getting all these rewards. I usually plan a year out. It just works better for our schedule. And in some cases, it's even more. So in the case of Hawaii, we we actually booked that for 2020. You can imagine what happened then. And it got rebooted then for 2021. So we're always trying to think like, what's the thing? What's the next thing we want to experience? And then how can I make that happen? Why use travel points versus getting cash back? Yeah, the redemption values are usually higher. So cash back, I, I still use my travel rewards as kind of an emergency fund if I needed it. So I have, I don't know, I think I carry about a $2,000 cash back value. That value, if I was to price the cost of airline tickets, is almost 4000 So I just get higher redemption rates when I use the travel rewards with travel companies as opposed to using the cash back. Nice. Okay. So people are coming to you saying, Hey, Heidi, how are you doing this? And you're answering all these questions. Eventually you start answering the same questions over and over. At what point did you decide, Hey, maybe I should start to formalize this a little bit? Because as you pointed out, all the information is free out there, but sometimes Mm -hmm. when you pay, you pay for expediency and for conciseness. So being able to get into a community that has concise answers, someone available and interested in talking about a certain topic How did forming one of these revenue streams for you next year on the road of family travel hackers happen? And then deciding, you know, we've had you on to talk about Ordinary Sherpa. Is it a part of Ordinary Sherpa? Is it separate? What is the entrepreneurship side of of creating this resource for people to learn travel hacking look like on the back end as the entrepreneur? Yeah, and I did it more out of a place of community building, right? So as someone who now like, ooh, travel hacking, I want to learn more about that. You can call me and have a one-on-one and a strategy session within my membership. Or you can spend years trying to figure it out and figure out what works for you because there's different nuances, like I said. And you know what works for one person doesn't always work for another person. So I always said, like, you're more than welcome to use the free option. I'm not trying to convince people to join my membership. But I was always inspired. I should say, and I was always inspired from learning from other people who had already done this. So within the membership, we have several guests that will come on and share their experience. So for example, our next meetup is a family of four, and she's been travel hacking since 2012, I think, maybe 2009 even. And she's done considerable international trips. So she's going to talk through like, how does she plan? She has a five-year travel plan. How does she plan? What are the tools she uses? How does she decide which points to go after? And so you're just learning from people who are ahead of you on the journey as opposed to, you know, trying to figure it out the DIY option. None of them are wrong, right? You just have to decide what works for you. In terms of how this is going to fit into my overall model, it is right now a part of Ordinary Sherpa. It aligns really well with the travel and kind of the Sherpa philosophy of helping people reach their summit. 
So if I can support that in some way, it still feels in line with my brand. Mm -hmm. It's in beta mode still, I would say. You know, we've gotten past a couple of glitches and I've worked through a couple of scenarios. So I have a better idea of what people are looking for, the cadence, the timing, the pricing, all of that kind of stuff. So currently, it is two meetups a month. People can have a one-on-one with me anytime within six months. You're committing either monthly or yearly. And within that time, you can have strategy sessions with me. But then it's written content as well. Like I'll take an article that I'm getting a lot of questions about and writing a specific tip guide or tool. This month, we had a tool on how to track your signups and you know all the things that go along with it. So what tool do I use? What do I keep track of? All that kind of stuff as well as for the credit cards that have an annual fee, how do I get rid of the annual fee? Or do I decide to keep the card? Do I cancel the card? What do I do when that annual fee hits? So I gave people a script on how to work through that and talk to the different credit card companies. If you choose to keep your card and you don't want to pay the annual fee, what can you do? What are your options? So things like that. Like I'm trying to empower people to use the tools and not have to do the years of research that I have and still offering a small but modest revenue stream for us. So it makes it valuable for me. So I could spend days doing this work and helping everybody else. But that's really detracting from my life and my adventurous lifestyle that I just built. I didn't want to be in one-on-ones all the time. So by creating a community, I don't have to be the one answering all your questions. There's now a group of people that can help and they may be ahead of me on this journey. Or you know, they might have different experiences or different questions that they can answer they might use different tools. They might you know, have a different hub that they're flying from, a larger hub, a smaller hub. They might have parking hacks. You know, like there's so many different nuances to travel and the logistics of travel that I just feel like we were stronger as a community as opposed to like me being the expert in teaching everybody. Absolutely. So being that we're talking with RVers, what ways do you see RV lifestyle fitting into travel hacking and why is it beneficial for RVers? You know, the benefit of RVing is we get to take our bed everywhere we go. Sounds like we're talking Mm -hmm. a lot about flights and hotels Mm -hmm. and stuff. In what ways do you see travel hacking playing directly into the RV lifestyle and ways that entrepreneurs can use that benefit? And obviously, as you pointed out, a $2,000 value in cash is worth $4,000 in points, something that's a hundred times its value. What ways do you see RVers capitalizing on this travel hack? Yeah. Well, quite honestly, I was kind of laughing because at the RVE Summit, I was listening to people and there was a couple of people that wanted to go to Europe, right? Well, you can't drive to Europe, so you're going to need another option. And you can use your money. You can pay for the tickets to get there and optimize it and get as cheap as possible. Or you have a little bit of flexibility by using travel rewards. So that's one way. I also just think, so again, as a family, like I don't know that we are going to love being in the RV all the time. So a change of place and space without having to drive across country is kind of nice. It gives us options in the moment. (laughs) And we're like, well, we have this space and we would like to do this. I don't feel like we're having to think scarcity mindset, like we don't have the money to do that or it's going to cost us all these things in order to make that happen. It gives us a little bit more flexibility to say yes to things. You know, maybe it's an all inclusive in the sun in the Dominican Republic for the winter or something just to give us a break. I think RVers still need vacations because most of you are working in your RV running a business and having a break really offers clarity from that. So a change of space and place often offers you just mental clarity. But I also think there's something here that we haven't really talked about. And that's that's the entrepreneur side, right? You're already spending money, you might as well get more value out of it using your business and, and writing off those expenses. It's an untaxed value. 
that you can get. And I'm talking thousands of dollars, right? This is not just like, oh, $100 here or there. It's thousands of dollars. And if you don't want to travel, there's other options. You can use it for Amazon or cashback or other things. Like I'm not suggesting not to use those things if cash rewards is what entice you and you're more likely to do that. I just want people to know that the option exists. Yeah. And I think our viewers are also in a very unique position to capitalize on this opportunity being so much as if we can put our living expenses onto a credit card. You know, your mortgage or your rent, usually putting it on a credit card is not an option to do those. But when you go book a campground for a week, that is something that you can put on a credit card. Mm -hmm. So if you could take your normal living expenses of being an RV entrepreneur traveling around, get the points back, the travel rewards, and then have been able to fly out to Montrose last fall and have your flights paid for, have a, a place to stay paid for with the points you use to just live your life how you were the rest of the year. That's a tremendous value. And I think it, it opens up opportunities, right? Because being RVers, we are in a certain locale. If I'm in Bend, Oregon, and I decide that I want to go to a meetup or a conference in Florida, that's a long way to drive my RV for a single event. And it may not align with the weather. It may not align with the rest of our travel plans for the year. But if by using just the normal other everyday spend that we do as a lifestyle, capitalizing and doubling that value into travel rewards, and then using that to spend to take a weekend to head to that conference, I think there's a huge amount of value in that for RVers and then specifically for RV entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And Josh, the other thing I should mention is there are, and I don't want to go too far down this because again, these are the nuances, but there are credit cards that really align with RV spending, right? So we're spending a lot of money this year on gas and groceries. I'm not spending so much on travel because we are going to be living in our RV and that's how we've designed our travel. So I, I've given up some of the bigger you know, things that you know, maybe I was striving towards companion pass. I don't need that this year. I'm doubling down on the ones that are going to earn me the ro- most rewards in gas and groceries because that's where our lifestyle spend is going to be this year. So there are even things that you can learn along the way and to optimize which points to go after and why, right? I think the why is what really drives me is how can I help people reach their goals and what does it take to get there? So we've wet everyone's appetite. We've kind of got an overview of what travel hacking is and how it can be valuable to us. Talk to us a little bit more about if we're interested in fast tracking the on-ramp and the learning curve of getting into travel hacking by becoming a member of the family travel hackers what does it look like? What would we be getting? And how is it helpful? Yeah. So the Family Travel Hackers is a way, and, and I'll send you the link, Josh. It's ordinarysherpa.com backslash join. So the Family Travel Hackers is a community. So you will get access to a lot of other people who have done this or are aspiring to this. So you, you kind of get people that are going to encourage you, support you, bring you along. There's two meetups a month. One of them is more of like a mastermind where you can be on the hot seat, so to speak, and we can design and ask you questions to help define your strategy. You also can get a one-on-one strategy session with me. So those are 30 minutes where we really work through the nuances and give you more direction, as well as there's kind of a guest expert each month. So there's two meetups a month and content that helps give you the tools to do this better. You're not going to figure it all out in one month. But over, you know, a couple of months, you'll start to see pretty extravagant rewards coming your way. And then, like I said, there's different stages. There's the accumulation phase and there's the redemption phase and there's nuances to all of that. So helping you through the entire journey, wherever you are, meeting you on the journey, giving you both the community to ask questions, access to the right people who have kind of been there, understand it and and may have some resources to help, but also then giving you the detailed resources that fit your needs as opposed to the generic stuff that you're going to find on the interwebs for free. 
Yeah, very cool. I like that. The older I get, the more I value my time and the more I'm willing to pay to expedite my time. Yes. And I think that's really cool. If, yes, the answers are, especially in, in today's world of 2023 with all the resources we have, there's not a whole lot you can't learn online mm-hmm. if you're willing to dig for it. Where the benefit comes in is getting people who are interested and enthusiastic about talking about a certain topic in one spot. So you get people who are not just kind of, oh, I heard this from my cousin's uncle's brother's sister. Right. And if I were to go back, I would do it differently this way and kind of be able to stand on the shoulders of folks who have gone before you and expedite the process, get from point A to B faster so that when we get to point D, we're already there exponentially sooner than the first person who walked on that path. And so I think the community aspect of it, of being able to crowdsource information while also, you know, as you pointed out, one of your things is to be able to share the resources and and by having, you know, a referral link share between group members is a really cool way to what you know, if you're a part of the membership, you also get value back in a, a very concrete way, not just in knowledge and experience, but a, a concrete way of being able to share those different things and, and play the game one, you know, level two. Yeah. So that's yeah. really cool. There's two things I want to expound upon because I think you mentioned community and the inspiring nature of that. So I am getting value out of this because people have traveled to places I've never even heard of. And I think so often we have this like bucket list of Europe and all the wonders of the world or whatever. But I think there's something to be learned in places that, again, we we don't even know exist. And why don't we know about those places? So it's intrigued my own curiosity to learn about places that I never knew about and why I might want to travel there or not. You know, not every place is on my list. I also have said, you know, the ROI of this membership, you're going to get your value back within six months because you're going to earn so many points that the value is not $4,000 on the trip, but you're going to get $4,000 at least usually by the sign up bonuses and learning how to use them more efficiently. So it's an investment, I know, but it also is kind of like once you learn the skills, you don't need this membership forever. It's a great ROI to get you on the path and learn more. And I think it's got a great value add to your life. So what kind of questions did I not ask? What kind of things should we know about travel hacking and specifically family travel hackers, your version of it and and teaching people that may be valuable for the listeners to know? I think some of the nuances are much more individualized because, you know, the way you travel and the way I travel might look different in what you're looking for. So things like how do I keep track of this? How do I build a system around it so it doesn't take me a lot of time and energy or that I miss a sign-up bonus or something like that? Those are the things I encourage people to share and support each other on. You know, the 200 level that we get to is understanding the relationships between companies and brands. So there are airline alliances that work together. You know, I don't want to overwhelm people right away, but understanding different sweet spot redemptions. There are so many other hacks that can be used once you are beyond step one. It's almost like a game. Once you like get in the door, it's almost so addicting that you were like, I want to learn the next hack and I want to learn the next hack. How could I get business class? Well, for me, I'm not traveling business class with five of us. It's just more tricky, but I can help you get there because I know there's a lot of sweet spot redemptions. The other thing I think is really interesting and what people don't often realize with travel rewards is that there are things other than just travel that you can use it on. And so we've even had some really good conversations of like how to optimize things like your business expenses. You can buy gift cards and then you get double because of where you buy the gift cards from. So even simple things like that, you start to learn how to play the game even better. And I said, you know, it's kind of a fun thing for me now. It's a little bit more of a hobby than it is of a a challenge. But 
It's like the world of RVing. When you open the door and see the possibilities, it's like a rabbit hole and you can go as far down it as you want. But there are so many different ways you could take it that I just want people to know that there's a ton of opportunity within the space. Awesome. I love it. And Coley and I are doing some travel hacking this year. We're currently working on getting our Southwest Companion Pass because we've got some flights coming up this year that we're going to try and use with points and, and the Companion Pass. So it's really cool. I'm really enjoying what I'm learning in there and, and how the community is sharing the information. And again, as you said, as much as it is a game, it's also an individual game because there's so many avenues that you could go down and being able to narrow and focus it down on what are our goals for this year and how can we best accomplish those? And knowing that next year our goals may be different and there's mm-hmm. still a way to play the game to make those worthwhile. So I really appreciate that and the, the community that you're building over there. Again, give us a, a rundown of where we can find more information on Family Travel Hackers and how to get involved. Yeah, the best place if you just want to find information is ordinarysherpa.com backslash join. That's where the sign up is for the Family Travel Hackers. We're building out a membership. There's also some free, I can send you some links, Josh, if you want to throw them in the show notes, just one or two episodes that sure. I've had, just if people want to hear podcast interviews or episodes that I have done about how family travel hacking has worked for our family to give you some really concrete examples, that might also be meaningful as well. Yeah, definitely. We'll make sure to get all those links over and put them in the show notes for you guys. So if you're interested in and learning more and diving into this travel hacking sphere, if it's something that you've never heard of or you kind of heard about it before, but you weren't quite sure about it, Heidi is definitely your gal. And she is, as you can tell, enthusiastic about it. And the way that she teaches is definitely a way that I think and I've heard from other people that they can relate to and understand. So head over to OrdinarySherpa.com. We'll put all the stuff in the links of this, this episode and you can go check it out and learn more about travel hacking. But Heidi, thank you very much for taking the time to be on the RV Entrepreneur. We'll make sure that we meet up when you guys get on the road. Yeah, for sure. I can't wait. I can't wait for our kids to meet. That's what I'm excited about. It's fun when you find your people and that's kind of how we've been basing our travels now is who do we want to see on this year-long adventure? So it's been a lot of fun figuring that out as well. Where are we going to be? I have no idea. I'm also like not to overwhelm anybody, but I, I also use travel hacking sometimes to gift experiences. So it's giving us the opportunity now to gift an opportunity for my parents to come meet up with us on the road because they don't necessarily want to drive and meet up with us and they're nervous about not seeing the grandkids. So for us, travel hacking is also like a, a way we contribute and, and gift rewards to our family members as well. Wow, what did you drop that right at the end there? That's definitely a, an aspect <laughs> of it that I hadn't even considered, but is absolutely worthwhile in this this lifestyle. So if that what's your palette, guys, and you're interested in checking out more, check out the links in the show notes. Heidi, thanks for being here. Thank you, Josh. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode with Heidi. She's a really cool lady, and the things that she's doing with her family to get out and travel are just absolutely inspiring. And I think if you are a type of person that could play the game by paying off credit cards every month, using them to your advantage of of spending what you're going to spend anyway on a specific credit card and earning the rewards for that and kind of reaping the grain of sowing this game is a really cool endeavor. And it's something that I'm looking into. We're doing, like I said, Coley and I are playing around with some of the Southwest things to get some companion passes and airline miles this upcoming year for some of the trips we're doing. It's a really cool way. And it, it sometimes it's like, is this really real? But yes, you are not doing anything wrong. You're playing by the, the rules and the, the agreements that the credit cards are setting out there. It's a really cool way to play the game. And also, you know, just take something that you're already doing, spending money on everyday life, campsites, groceries, fuel, and turning that into a reward. 
And I think the way that Heidi is setting up her community with family travel hackers of being able to have a, a concise community with experts coming in and access to her as a veteran in the space, and especially with you know traveling with a family of five, as she said, a lot of the resources out there are for you know a single or a couple travel hacking. It, it, it gets infinitely harder. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Not infinitely harder, but it gets infinitely more complex when you add more people to the mix. However, a family of five is also spending more daily of your, your normal everyday spend than a couple of two. And so you also have that lever that you can pull and those resources that you can draw from. So if you guys are interested in it, check out the links in the show notes. And uh, if you want to talk with Heidi, you can jump on over to the RV Entrepreneur Facebook group and you'll be able to connect with her, many of our guests and all of our hosts over there. Until next time, we'll see you down the road. Happy trails. Happy trails.